Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello, and welcome to In All Honesty, the podcast where you get the honest answers you didn't know you needed. I'm Michelle Elman and I'm a five board accredited life coach and I use my experience from this to answer all the questions that have been on your mind lately. This week we are talking about loneliness but before we get into it I want to ask you a small favour. We are now 13 episodes in, it's actually my favourite number and if you've been enjoying it so far it would mean the world if you could leave a review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening to this. It really helps me out and also if you hit subscribe then new episodes will appear on your phone without you having to search it up every week so it's handy for both you and me. So back to loneliness. When I first started life coaching and my journey of increasing the standard of my life and the people in my life, there was a constant feeling I had of being lonely and it probably lasted for around two to three years. When I was around people or not, I felt lonely because I was growing and changing and the people I was surrounding myself with no longer understood me. For all my relationships, romantic or platonic, being understood is one of my highest values. So when I'm not understood, I can be in a room full of people and still feel alone. This experience, though, made me realise there's a difference between being alone and lonely. But that made me feel even lonelier because what I realised is that prior to life coaching, whenever I got lonely, I just found a new friend. I've always found it really easy to make new friends because I'm quite a chatty, open person. You'll know that if you follow me on Instagram. And I don't know, I must give off this energy that I'm trustworthy because I find people just share a lot with me quite naturally. So I also make quite fast friends. But what happened was the number of friends I had just accumulated to a level that no one person can maintain. You can't be good friends to that many people. But it meant I also never learned how to be alone. Because anytime I felt any loneliness, I filled it with a new human. When I started this life coaching and all this change and growth though, I realised that I had to get okay with being alone. I needed to let that feeling of loneliness arise and resolve it by being in my own company because here's something I truly believe, you can't be lonely if you like your own company. And then 2020 flipped that on its head. 
for the last five years I can't remember being lonely because I started spending more time with myself and then started liking myself and would find myself actually choosing to spend time with myself rather than going to see other people. I started choosing to spend more time with myself because hey I found I actually quite like myself and I'm quite fun to be around. So in a way I was right but then I spent five months in lockdown alone completely alone and whilst that loneliness never actually hit during lockdown it's almost like as a consequence I've now been feeling it because especially in the last month or so I found myself feeling lonely all the time and it's not because I don't like myself or my own company it's simply because it's been nine months and I really really need a hug I'm naturally such an affectionate person and not having hugs in my life is such a noticeable thing I fell over the other day and someone reached out their hand to help me up. They were in my bubble, so no rules were broken. But my heart stopped for a moment because the lack of human contact made them holding out their hand and me touching it noticeable. And so I think this is a different kind of loneliness. It's almost a deprivation of human touch. As I wrote on Instagram when they announced the second lockdown, humans are not designed to be alone and it has been nine months, even possibly ten at this point, and my upper limit of alone time has been tested to the absolute max. And I guess it's quite telling how much I've worked on my ability to be alone that it took nine months to actually have an impact on my life or actually feel the impact, but I thought it was really important to do an episode on it because I can't be the only one. As I said, I'm a really affectionate person and I miss that. I still haven't seen a handful of my closest friends since March, some since January. And I just miss my life and that in itself, I think, creates a level of loneliness. And I think we all miss our lives right now. So let's get on to the first listener. Hi, Michelle. My name's Kerry and I need some help getting over my awful social anxiety. Um, I'm a stay-at-home mum of an 18-month-old daughter and I am desperately lonely my family live a hundred miles away and I just need some help in how I go about making friends and get over my anxiety that there's going to be awkward silences and I'm going to say something stupid um because I really need some friends um thanks lots of love Kerry Hey Kerry, thank you so much for reaching out you know you were actually one of the first people to send me a voice note if not the first And I was just waiting for a few more questions on loneliness so I could get to filming this episode. But thank you so much for being one of the first people to send me a voice note. And congratulations on your new baby. I think one of the things about new motherhood is it can feel really isolating and lonely already because you're in a new stage of life and you might not have the people around you who can understand you. Also, as much as you are around your baby all day, it's not the same as having contact with an adult who you can actually hold a conversation with. And I sometimes think parents feel really guilty about that because contact with your baby should be enough, but it's a very different kind of interaction. So if you're feeling that, do not feel guilty about it. It is very human and it is very normal. I'm going to start with the bad news. This is going to be scary, but it sounds like you're in a position of discomfort that is great enough that will cause you to change. That sounds awful, but sometimes how we overcome a big fear is by creating a greater fear. So social anxiety is a big label and we all know I don't like labels because it sounds scary and it makes it a bigger issue in your head. All anxiety is, is fear in the future. And from hearing your voice, it sounds like you have a fear of rejection, fear of being judged, and simply your problem is one simple sentence with no labels in it. I'm scared to make new friends. 
And that's perfectly okay because we can handle that. But don't you think I'm scared to make new friends is more manageable problem than social anxiety, which is vague and really hard to explain because one person with social anxiety will have different symptoms to someone else who has social anxiety. And with I'm scared to make new friends, you have a greater fear. The greater discomfort is that you are so lonely that your fear of rejection or your fear of making new friends becomes less important and less urgent. Now, you can wait until your loneliness grows and become even more uncomfortable, or you can act now. What no one tells you is that everyone is nervous when making a new friend and you are in a new social situation. And sometimes one person is really nervous and they go shy. And sometimes, like me, I just talk really quickly. So it makes it seem like I'm sociable, extroverted, and it's really easy for me. But actually, a sign of social anxiety, or what I like to call nervousness is just less obvious from the outside. The person you are talking to very rarely notices because we're all more conscious of our own behaviour than anyone else. So I would encourage you to listen to my episode on anxiety, which is actually the first episode of the podcast, because what you're imagining, messing up, looking stupid, someone judging you, that's why your body reacts as if it's happening. And that episode will explain how to stop that from happening. You've got an easier in though because of your baby. If you go to any playgroups or baby classes, there's an opportunity to meet some other mothers and fathers and parents who might be in a similar situation to you. And how I would personally do this is I would just go up to one of them and be vulnerable and be like, hey, is it just me or do you go days without talking to another adult? Start a conversation after a bit, suggest something like going for a coffee together or going to the park playground together. It's going to be scary. You're going to be risking rejection. But the rule is you have to keep going until someone says yes. In terms of looking or sounding stupid, the right person is not going to judge you. I say stupid things all the time. Judgmental people will judge me think I'm stupid and feel morally superior and the nice people, the people I actually want to be friends with, will laugh along with me. Consider for a moment that you can see someone is nervous and they've accidentally spilt their drink on them when they were trying to talk to you. What would you do? Would you stare at them weirdly and think, God, what a klutz? Or would you make them feel more comfortable and help mop up the mess? If it were me, I would go, oh, I do that all the time. This is why I'm so glad I don't drink coffee, can't be trusted with it. I would empathise with the person. I wouldn't judge them. So if you think someone's going to judge you for saying, I haven't spoken to an adult in like a week, then they're not the person you want to be friends with anyway. Remember that you're looking for the right people. And if you get really nervous, remember all you have to say is, sorry, I'm being really awkward. It's like I don't know how to talk to adults anymore. Make a joke about it. Because once you've addressed it and called it out, it works wonders to actually calm you down. I promise you, you can do this. You've got this. I believe in you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. 
so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This week in Dissecting Dysfunctional Conversations, we are talking Dawson's Creek. Every week I dissect dysfunctional conversations that I see on TV and we use it as an opportunity to improve our own communication. I know Dawson's Creek is meant to be one of those old school TV shows that everyone grew up with, or at least 90s kids did, like The O.C., 90210, One Tree Hill, Gilmore Girls and the like. I actually did watch The O.C. at the time it aired, but all the others, I was late to the party. I only watched Gilmore Girls last year, so I feel like it's a latent childhood thing where I feel like I'm catching up with all of my peers. For those of you who haven't watched it, it follows a bunch of 15-year-old kids who live in a small town and it's all the classic teenage stuff. And in the episode I watched today, one of the kids was talking about how important honesty in their relationship is. And upon this admission, his girlfriend, or the girl he is dating, has an admission that she lied when she said she was a virgin and that she's not only had sex, but multiple times. Shock, horror. This is presented as a really big deal. We also have to remember this is quite a dated series now. But anyway, she asks him if there's anything wrong and he says there isn't and says he has to go. She then asks him again, saying she wants to do a post-mortem on last night's conversation and whether he was okay about what they talked about. He says he's fine with it and it's the past and it's over and done with, although it's clear he is not okay with it. He replies with, even if I did have a problem, what could I do about it? And she responds with, you could just tell me. Tell you what? It seems like you want me to say something and I don't know what to say. You can tell me why you've been avoiding me or what's behind that look in your eye, whether it's repulsion, jealousy or complete disapproval. You could tell me you need a break because it seems like you don't really know me or knew me at all. Or you could just tell me if I've left anything out. Now, as much as that conversation is probably not relatable to half of the people listening, because most people listening are not 15 years old and someone not being a virgin isn't and shouldn't ever be a big deal, Also, what even is the concept of virginity? But what is relatable is how many times someone has asked for honesty and then betrayed that honesty. How many times has someone said, be honest, whatever you tell me, I just want honesty and then reacted badly to it? Or how many times has someone said nothing is wrong when there clearly is something wrong? On her side, I actually think she handled it really well. I even love the opener. Hey, can we do a quick post-mortem on yesterday's conversation? Here's the thing. When someone has kept something secret and then decides to confess it, of course you're allowed to have your anger that they kept it secret. 
but I also believe there should be a respect and acknowledgement for finally telling you something. In a functional conversation, how he should have or could have responded is saying something like, I need some time to process this, I don't know how I feel about this yet. Or even before she made her admission, saying something like, of course I want you to be honest, I can't promise that I will accept whatever you're going to say instantly, but I promise that we can have a conversation about it. When she asked if there was anything wrong, he could have said, I don't know how I feel about the conversation. Can I take you up on that offer for a little break? And then something reassuring, like, I'm not judging you for what you told me, but it has changed how I view you and I'm going to need some time to adjust. In terms of judging someone about whether they've had sex, or more so in adult relationships, their number, or as the kids on TikTok call it, your body count, to judge someone on how many people they have slept with is of course sexist, because it's usually only women who are negatively judged. But also, and this is not just specifically around this conversation, but don't ask a question you don't want to know the answer to. If you know that hearing a large number from someone you are dating is going to upset you, do not ask. I personally am not a very jealous person and so it tends to come up in my relationships and I'm curious so I want to know but I don't need to know and it's not a number I really keep in my head for a long time. It's like a oh interesting and then we move on conversations. I remember one conversation in uni where we were all talking about body count and it actually really shifted my opinion on all of this was I was in a house with four girls and two had a body count of two and two had much higher body counts. I think one was 18 and one was 21. One had slept with 16 guys when she was 18 in a year and then only two ever since and the other had slept with five consistently every year. A number doesn't say anything about your dating life. It doesn't mean one dated more. It doesn't tell you anything. But more importantly than all of that, it doesn't affect you because sex can mean a lot or it can mean very little. But another issue that comes up in this conversation is this whole, what's wrong? Nothing. And then someone asking over and over again, which this girl does do for episodes is so dysfunctional and needs to be eliminated. So what do you say instead? Something anything. You can say you don't understand how you feel. You can say you need space. You can say you feel angry. You can say you feel angry and you know you shouldn't. Communicate, communicate, communicate. I'm only halfway through this storyline so who knows what he will say when he finally opens up but in general I love the communication on this show. It's completely unrealistic for 15 year olds but I love that it's quite self-aware conversation so if you're into that you might want to check out Dawson's Creek. On to the next question. Hi Michelle, I have a question for you on loneliness. Um, My partner and I are currently in a long distance relationship and he's someone that goes to in periods of extreme loneliness since I'm not I'm not there with him like he's used to and I was just wondering if there's Hi the anxious asexual, thank you for your message. So in relationships, I believe that the most loving thing you can do for a person is to not caretake their emotions for them. And I know that's really hard when your partner is in pain, hurting or suffering in any way. And especially when it comes to loneliness, it's really easy to think that if only you could be there and not be long distance, you could be the solution to their problems. 
However, that's not the solution. You should not caretake another person's emotions or carry them as your own. And what you can do is support them while they're going through it themselves. So listen to them when they talk, ask how they are and really how they are and let them confide in you. But those are not your emotions and the likelihood is if they're feeling loneliness when you're not there, there is either a practical problem or an emotional problem. The practical problem is that they don't have enough people in their life other than you. Every human needs a support network and I'm specifically emphasising the word network because the network cannot be one human. It is not possible to be there for someone all the time when they need you and it also isn't healthy because this loneliness also means that people will get into relationships that they shouldn't be in just to try to remove that feeling of loneliness and that's not healthy too. The emotional problem, and I think this is likely to be the case here, is that loneliness probably exists no matter whether you are there or not. The only difference is that when you are there, you serve as a distraction and so they are less aware of how they feel and the feelings in their body. This is because being alone and being lonely are not the same thing and loneliness doesn't occur out of being alone but instead from not having a good relationship with yourself and essentially abandoning yourself. It's normal to miss your partner, but missing your partner and being lonely are two different things. What's likely happening, but I can't say for sure because I don't know your partner and your partner is not the one who sent me the voice note, is that they find it really difficult to sit in their loneliness and heal that and therefore they come to you to relieve their loneliness because even talking over the phone to you about it is a way to not think about the pain they hold inside of them. And whilst you might be happy to do that for them, you cannot do it for them. They need to do that inner work of healing that loneliness and it will benefit your relationship. When people don't like themselves, they don't like spending time with themselves and so the band-aid or plaster people use to address it is to constantly surround yourself with other humans so you are never aware of that loneliness. The only solution to it though is exactly the opposite of what your urge is and to sit in that loneliness and let it exist and learn to comfort yourself and once that heals you'll be okay in your own company. For your partner this likely started in childhood where as a child they felt alone and they never let themselves have that feeling and they never validated that feeling inside of them so that's why they've ended up carrying it around. The only thing you can do as the partner is to remind them that they are loved, that they have the strength inside of them to sit in that loneliness and that their loneliness is real, valid and your presence won't fix or heal it. But them becoming more aware of it will. Thank you so much for your question and thanks for being the first person to take me up on the offer for including a pseudonym instead of a name in the style of old school advice columns. Actually, is pseudonym even the word? I'm not sure, but thank you anyway, and it made me feel like a proper Agni aunt. Today's three quick tips are on how to feel less alone. Number one, stop abandoning yourself. When we criticise ourselves, we make ourselves believe everything is our fault and blame ourselves for everything that is going wrong. Even the things we can't control, you are abandoning yourself. Even if every single person leaves you and you are left on your own, you cannot leave you. You have to be on your own side. You have to be on your own team. Start seeing this like it's your job. Number two, reach out to people you love when you feel alone. Rather than looking at your phone and seeing an absence of messages and using that to confirm your loneliness, 
Start reaching out. Send a few messages out to make plans. Send a few messages out to arrange phone calls. Put in the effort and someone will reciprocate. But it's when we test our friendships and wait to see how long they'll notice, we are looking for a reason to be lonely. Number three, be careful what you do when you feel lonely. When we feel lonely, we are likely to do things to confirm our loneliness and that no one wants us or needs us. So who do you reach out to when you are lonely? Your ex who treats you like a pile of shit? This is just confirming your loneliness. This is self-sabotage. You reach out to that person who you know won't reciprocate so that you can go, see, I told you, no one loves you. And you've now confirmed your own biased opinion. People do the same with reaching out to celebrities or influencers in their DMs. So see, they don't reply. No one cares. No one listens. Stop proving your own limiting beliefs and become aware of your behaviour when you feel that urge of loneliness. Stop acting on it and instead start listening to it. Hey Michelle, I have a question about friendships. So where I live at the moment, I, I don't have that many friends. I don't know that many people and... The few friends I've got are people that I used to work with. They, um, I've always gotten really well with them, but I've noticed that um, in the last year or so, trying to meet up with them, that they are, for want of a better word, very, very flaky. And I would say eight, nine times out of ten, we make plans and they will cancel. They're not very good at replying to messages. And all these things if it was every every now and then or if it was just once or twice in our isolation it would be okay but it has definitely got to the stage where it it feels like I'm being quite disrespectful to myself um by kind of carrying on making the effort when it's totally not being reciprocated however the flip side is that whenever I do see these people in person we have a great time and I can talk to them and actually I am quite lonely at the moment and I'm so so scared to cut off the few people that I do have in my area um so yeah I'm just wondering if you have any advice about how to deal with these these three four friends that I have that are really the only people that are around me but they're also very unreliable and sometimes it feels like maybe they're not that bothered Hey there, that's such a tough situation and I'm going to give you the best advice in the context of a pandemic because I do understand it's hard. On my episode on friendships, I do give advice on how to find new friends, whether that's reaching out to one friend or asking a friend to introduce you. So if you want that, head to the friendship episode for more tips. But the thing I wanted to address here is that someone cancelling on you is horrible and you're right, it makes you feel disrespected. But more than that, I wouldn't be surprised if it's bringing up rejection in you. You have a few options. One, I would try setting stronger boundaries with people you do have in your life right now. You can do this a few ways. You can either get honest with them and say, hey, I don't know many people in your area and I've been quite lonely, so it would mean a lot if we could meet up. Or you could go the route of saying, hey, if we make plans, I would appreciate you stick to them because it's becoming really disrespectful of my time. Which one you do is dependent on the kind of relationship you have with the person. This year especially, I've had moments of texting a friend and being like, I'm so lonely right now, I can't be alone anymore and they'll make plans with me. It's vulnerable, but I do this because I trust the people and I know they won't judge me for being vulnerable. 
The other route is one I would take for someone who makes me feel taken for granted. The combination of lack of replies and your time being disrespected makes me suggest the second one more strongly. Because as much as it feels like you risk losing these friendships by saying that, you will gain their respect, whether they stick around or not. And as much as you don't want even less friends, if these people aren't acting like friends, they aren't friends you want. You mentioned that you have a great time together when you see them, but I want you to balance that with how many times you felt bad as a consequence of them cancelling or not replying. It's easy to look at the time together out of context, but to see a full picture of the whole friendship, you need to remember both. I'm not saying this from a high horse, by the way. I'm saying this as a person who lost all my friends as I was growing and changing, and I remember myself thinking, not another friend, I can't lose another person. But when I look back, I realised how many of those people needed to leave. And as horrible as that year was, it's why I don't settle for friendships anymore. And I don't settle for people who don't make an effort because that year taught me I can be alone if I have to. I know you have an issue with the location right now and I know there is a value in seeing someone in real life. But it's also important to remember that you can maintain friendships without the proximity. And I promise a FaceTime with someone who actually respects you and understands you and reciprocates is far more valuable than an in-person meeting with people who don't. And I'm not saying cut them out, but what I am saying is start investing less in that friendship whilst you put your energy into finding ways to find new friends. You deserve friends that don't make you question the friendship. Sending you so much love. Every week I share something I'm working on so you know that even the professionals in the personal development field are not perfect humans and you can learn from imperfect humans like myself. So I share my own personal development difficulties and right now I'm working on the difference between sadness and grief. I know a lot of people are feeling grief in 2020 and that's not just when someone dies but even the loss of childhood, the loss of the perfect best friend you thought you had or grief after a breakup or in 2020 the loss of your normal life and normal schedule and whilst it's relatively new conversation to talk about grief as an emotion outside the context of death I think I'm talking more about the fact that I'm realising the difference in feeling between sadness and grief. Similarly, I'm starting to learn the difference between happiness and joy. And when I say I'm learning this, I'm not sitting down with a textbook and learning the difference in definitions. I more so mean I am learning the difference in how it feels in my body and noticing that difference. Because I think it's important and a helpful way when processing to understand when it's sadness, not grief. For me, I find that sadness sits in my heart, whereas grief doesn't really sit anywhere, but it's so emotionally draining. And when I was going through grief, I felt like it was so all consuming that I couldn't do anything. Like I would wake up every morning already exhausted. So that's one of the main differences I've noticed. And I'm going into this with a curiosity mindset and just trying to be curious about, okay, so is this sadness or is this grief? And I believe that curiosity is also helping me actually sit with it and not fight it because at times it is very uncomfortable and I want to run away from it because just like you, I am human. But I'm trying to take this curiosity mindset and explore it as opposed to trying to fix it. It's interesting because I've actually never heard about anyone talk about the difference between sadness and grief, but I find all this extra time in the pandemic is forcing me to explore the full range of human emotions. And that's, again, nothing that I fully formed as a complex thought, but it's just something that I'm thinking about at the moment and wanted to share with you. 
thank you so much for all the questions. This podcast couldn't happen without your voice notes. So I really, really appreciate all those people who've taken the time and energy to send a question my way. If you want more episodes, I need more voice notes. And if you'd like to be part of a future episode and get your question answered, then email me a voice note asking your question at in all honesty at mindsetforlife.co.uk. The email address will be in the description below if you didn't quite catch that. And in the meantime, go pre-order my new book, The Joy of Being Selfish. The publication date is around the corner, 4th of Feb, and it's all about boundaries. So if you enjoyed this podcast, you will love my new book because it's the best thing I've ever written. And I'm also manifesting a bestseller. So pre-orders really help with that. You can also find me on Instagram at ScarredNotScared or on Twitter and TikTok at the same username. You can get my first book, Am I Ugly? or watch my TED Talk, Have You Hated Your Body Enough Today? Next week, we will be talking about romantic relationships. Since I did an episode on the stage before becoming official, I thought it was also important to do an episode on the phase after you become official. So it's anything romantic relationships. And I'm sure there'll be loads of episodes on that topic, but this is the first one. So tune in next week for that. And thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.